Um, we're excited about what God is doing. We're excited about this opportunity to hear from God one more time. As I said, we're going to start this new series called My Part. So I have a question before we even get started. I want to ask you, are you going to do your part? And everybody said what? Yes. I don't believe you. Yes. <laughs> cool. But, but, but our goal is that it, you'll, you'll emphatically shout, um, God, I'm going to do my part. All right. Because your part is vital. Um, the slide that you see, me and Chris was talking about our graphics and we were thinking about how can we convey a message in such a simple but yet profound way to let you know how important your part is. So I remember as a young kid, I would go to my grandmother's house and my grandmother, uh, she did these puzzles that were ginormous. I mean, it, it, I'd never seen anything like it. I thought she was literally just punishing herself, right? It was these puzzles that were probably about like 5,000 pieces. It was, she would have this huge cardboard box and she would lay all the pieces out and she would begin to work on them. She would begin to work on it meticulously, and um, we would get to a place where we would want to go into this area, and as soon as we walked in, she would tell us we would have to leave out because she knew that if we came in and we moved a part of the puzzle, it would never be complete. And, and, and so my goal this morning is to let you know that your part in the kingdom is as important as that corner piece in this puzzle. She can get 4,999 of these pieces together, but if she don't have the last piece, it's never complete. We, we, we can marvel at the beauty of it, and we can begin to uh, try to uh, think about what it would look like in its fullness or in its wholeness. But why would we live a life with God and we can't see what he has for us in its totality? And so my goal and my, my prayer is as we go down this journey and this walk the next couple of weeks that this graphic would be, um, it would be vital. It would be something that will speak to your heart, that will speak to your mind to let you know that you're just not somebody. Okay? Tell somebody, you're not just somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're not. You're not. I, and, and I know that some of you guys struggle to make that declaration because your testimony is I was a teenage mother. Or, or I was someone who went through a real nasty divorce and I caused some of it. Or, or maybe your testimony is that, you know, I've had some past um, addictions and, and, and I tore some things up and I hurt some people. And how can you tell me, Pastor D, that, that, that I'm somebody because I know my story and I'll tell you that you're somebody because I know God. And, and, and I know God is such an amazing God that he said he's like the potter that sits at the wheel. And as he's making this vessel and it becomes marred, he begins to put his hands on it and spin the wheel a little more and add a little more water and pull a little more clay. And he begins to redeem and begins to repair that which was broken. So no matter where you are in your life, I want you to know that you're somebody. Like, 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 like this lie and whatever it is that's caused you to think in that manner, you have to take charge over your life and believe that you're not your greatest mistake. You're bigger than your greatest mistake. OK, and I'm going to jump into my scripture, but 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 I want to encourage you because you can't even get into this message until you can get past that part to know that God has a great plan for you. And your mistakes didn't disqualify you. Your mistakes didn't pull you out of God's reach. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to Second Kings. Second Kings. Let me pull it up. I got it screenshot so I don't have to flip through um, all this. But let's go to Second Kings. Give me a second. 
It was supposed to be magic, and the magic didn't work. I tapped too fast, and so when I went error. 2 Kings chapter number 4, verse number 4. All right? 2 Kings chapter number 4, verse number 4 is where I want you guys to go for a second. And I'm going to catch up with you because I want to read something to you because this is super duper important as we go through the series um, for the next couple weeks. Stay where you are, all right, in that particular verse. But I'm going to go to James chapter number 2, verse number 14. So just write you a note if you need to. Don't go to it now. Just write a note. James chapter number 2, verse number 14, it says this. What does it profit, my brethren, Though a man say he has faith and not works, can faith save him alone? It says, if a brother or a sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and if one of you say unto him, depart in peace, be ye warm and feel, without, uh, with, notwithstanding you give him those things that he has need for his body, what does it profit? And so to bring that into the CEV version, it says this. If you see a man who has a need and you simply tell him, listen, man, um, I know you're naked, I know you're hungry, but, 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 but you just go down the road. And, and, and God is going to give you something to eat, and, and God's going to give you some clothes. What does it profit you? When, when, when you see that there's a need or something that needs to happen, uh, faith alone isn't what we need. We need also faith, but then we also need works. The scripture goes on in that particular passage, and it says, Was Abraham not justified by faith when he laid his son on the altar? He, he could have had the faith to just go to the mountain, but his faith was justified the moment when he said, I'm going to take the most precious thing that I have, and even though it hurts every fiber of my being, I'm going to lay it on the altar, and I'm going to lay it on the altar because you said so. You said so. So when you get to the end of it, it says faith without works is dead. And so my, my, my goal is this. My goal is as you see this lady and you see her in the story, I want you to begin to understand that she had faith, but it also required her to do her part. So I, I don't need you to say, God, I know that you're a healer. God, I know that you're a redeemer. God, I know you're a restorer. God, I know you're a fixer. God, I know you're a breaker. God, I know you're all these things. And I know you can do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask you even think. But also keep in the back of your mind, the scripture says that faith without works is dead. Now, I caution you. Not just any kind of work, but the work that God ordains for you. And that's where we're going to go to. Second Kings. I got to cut my lock off my iPad. It keeps locking every time I walk away. Uh, all right. Forgive me. All right. So Second Kings chapter number four. Somebody say we're there. All right. So it says a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha and said, um, your servant, my husband is dead. Somebody say all. All right. So her husband's dead. And 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 you know that your servant feared the Lord and the, the, the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, um, your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, the empty vessels. Now, what, listen to this part. Do not gather just a few. All right. Keep that in the back of your mind. Verse four says, and when you uh, when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and, and pour it into the vest, those vessels, set aside the full ones. So she went from him. She shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. 
and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And she came and she told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debt and you and your sons will live on the rest. Now, that's a story that many of you guys have probably heard before. You, you, you've probably heard it, but, but my, my, my assignment today is to try to paint a picture of it in a way that you will get a fresh revelation of it. So in life, many of us can testify that we haven't been a strangers to having a need. We, we can testify that we haven't been a stranger to having a desire or needing God to do something for us. We've all been in that place, and what happens now is we, we, we begin to ask the question, okay, God, I, I, I have this need. I know you can fix it, but many of us don't know the proper steps to getting from an empty place to an overflowing place. So my goal this morning is to get you there. So I, I want to use my wife for an example. She didn't know this. I wasn't going to tell her because she would have said that she didn't want to do it. I want to act this story out. I want to act this story out real quick. Come here, Kendra. Come on, come on, come on. You got to come. Come on, you got it, girl. Come on. All right. So we, we, we got Kendra. Come here, uh, Wayne. We, we're going to paint this picture. I would have used my two boys, but they're in the back with Jeff. So I want you to see this. So this week, you on this side. You on that side. So, so you guys know that, that this is my wife, um, and, and we have two boys. And during this time, there was a custom that if there was a debt that I owed, right, that if something happened to me, then the collector or the debtor, he had the right to come and take our boys from her to fulfill the debt until we repaid everything we owed him. So I, I wanted you, to, you don't have to do anything. I, I just want you guys to be able to visualize this. So Thursday, right, when Thursday comes up, you'll see this picture and you'll be able to put all the pieces together. All right. So I'm out of the quest. I'm out of the picture. Now, Wayne, I need you to go over there and, and I want you to tell her you need your money. I need my money. So, so watch this. So, so now what happens is this. Many times we find ourselves in situations where we are faced with a difficult choice or something that we have to do. Now she has to give away the last thing that's precious to her because he wants his money. Right? right. You ain't gonna give a discount? No. All right. So he wants his money. So now what happens is my boys, they have to come and they have to work for him and pay off everything that I owe, and then she can get them back. But the problem is, many times we react in a season of chaos or in a moment of chaos, and we'll just say, all right, get the boys and take them, even though we really, really don't want to do it. That was profound, but many of you guys just missed what I said. Many times we'll find ourselves in a chaotic situation and we'll do something that we really, really, really don't want to do. If you knew that paying off the debt was giving your sons and you knew you had to do it and you were ordained to do it, would you do it? But would you really, really, really want to do it? No. 
But yet, I'm good, guys. But yet what happens is many of us find ourselves in a situation or in a position where we're faced with something. And we begin to do something to satisfy our right now. And the truth of the matter is we really don't want to do what we're doing. But because we don't like what we're feeling, we'll respond or we'll move in such a chaotic way that we can disrupt everything. Some of our lives in here right now, we're living in seasons of chaos, not because we wanted to, but because we responded in such a way that we thought that this action was going to move us or take us away from the pain. But the fact of the matter was it actually made things worse. It made them worse. And now you're left to have to deal with it. You're left to have to figure it out. You're you're left to try to figure out how do I get from this place that I am to the place that I want to be. But you can't get there because you're so bombarded and you're so blind by all the chaos. That's going on in your life. The story says she 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 had a need and the way it should have happened or the way it should happen in our lives is the way that it happened in her life. In her life, what she did was this before you come and touch my sons. I know a savior. I know a redeemer. I know a restorer. I know a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Y'all ain't clapping. Y'all ain't doing anything. I know somebody that is able to walk on water. I know somebody that can fix every one of my problems. And so before I move in my flesh, I'm going to consult with him. So my question becomes, when's the last time in your misery, in your problems, you consulted with him? But the pain felt a certain way and you didn't like how it feel felt. So you you started moving and started doing things and you created the chaos that you're living in. So this woman said, I know something about God. And that's why, men, it's so important. It's so important. If I wish I had time to unpack this entire scripture. If, if you look at the scripture, there's so many things. There's so many things that lined up. This lady said when she called out to him, she said, listen, my husband feared the Lord. Men, we have a responsibility to make sure that we show our families that because we fear God, because we serve God, because we desire God, that type of DNA will transcend generations to generations. So then when our kids are confronted with situations, they'll be able to look at us and say, I remember when my dad was going through hell and high water, but yet he talked to a man that sat out on Calvary's cross. He talked to a man that was able to get up out of the grave. And the fact that he talked to that man, it lets me know in my misery right Right now, I can talk to him, too. And so the situation happened where this man walked in the mantle that he was worthy of. Man, I'm not I'm not calling you out. I'm not. I'm, I'm just challenging you. I'm just challenging you. To be the man that leaves a legacy, that leaves an inheritance for their children so that when it comes to the when the rubber hits the road, there's something that you laid forward that God will honor even in your absence. She said, listen, you know, my husband. And, you know, he feared the Lord. So that means something. That means something. So if you have a father, if you have a husband, if you have a spouse that fears the Lord, you should be grateful. 
You, you, you should just write them a note and stick it on the refrigerator today and say, baby, I'm grateful you love God. Because there's so many men that are faced with so many pressures of the world that if truth be told, we will shift our focus off of God and we'll start living in the moment because we're figure, trying to feel like and thinking that we got to figure it all out instead of letting God work it out. And so the conversation went, she said, now, you know that, 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 that my husband feared the Lord. And the conversation happened where she began to receive instructions. The instructions that will take you from where you are to where you need to be, God will speak them to you if you would just listen. I'm going to say that again. The instructions that will take you from where you are to where you want to be, God will speak them if you will just listen. I'm going to say that last part. If you will just listen. If you will (laughs) just listen. If you will just listen, if you will just listen, if you will just listen. God, Pastor D, what, what, what does that mean, if you'll just listen? I pray, and I get on my face, and I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm waiting on you to say something, and you ain't saying anything, so I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go and figure this thing out myself. You got to listen. You got to listen. There's days I'm riding down the road, and he'll speak, and because I'm listening for him, I'll hear it. When I was praying that morning, I didn't hear a word, but yet, because he wants me to always keep my attention and my focus on him, he's not going to speak when I want him to. He's going to speak when he wants to. And therefore, if you always listen, you'll hear him. And when he speaks and if you respond, you will get what he has for you. So what do you have in this house? Now, think about this. The debt's coming. The custom was that the debtor was entitled to the kids. And I'm asking God to fix it, and he's asking me what I got. It ain't what I got. It's what you got because I need you to fix something. And oftentimes that's our response. That's our response because we want God to fix it. We want God to do it. We won't realize what he's already given us that's vital to us getting what we need from him. So I caution you, in the midst of your situation, just slow down. Just slow down. I promise you, your chaos isn't going to go that much faster. You have time to slow down and figure it out. And when you slow down and figure it out, you'll hear them say, all right, what do you got? I got some oil. All right, go get the oil. Now I need you to go get some jars. And you remember I told you to remember this part. There was a small line that said, "Um, not just a few. Not just a few. I told you to remember that. Most of y'all forgot it already, but I reminded you. Not just a few. Because God knew he understood what it was he was going to do from the beginning of it. Okay. He understood what he was going to do even from the beginning of it. Okay. He, he knew what he was going to do even from the beginning of it. Okay, he, he knew what he was going to do even from the beginning of it. Pastor D, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. When you got sick, he knew how he was going to deal with it from the beginning. Okay, when, when, when my body was diagnosed with cancer, he knew how he was going to address it when I was healed. Okay, when, when, when I was facing foreclosure and, and all these repossessions, he knew how he was going to fix it when I signed the line. 
So he said, don't, don't, don't just get a few because I know how I'm going to fix it. And, 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 and if you don't listen to me, you're going to miss the best part of it. I'm almost done, y'all. So let's talk about this jar of oil for a minute. Why oil? Throughout Scripture, this is an Old Testament story, and even in the New Testament, oil has always been symbolic of the presence of God. You anoint their head with oil and you pray in there. So this, this oil was, is, is symbolic of the presence of God. So God is asking you guys right now, in the midst of what you're going through, my question is, do you have the presence of God even in the midst of the things that you're going through? Even in the midst of the storm, do you have a little bit of God? I don't need you to have a whole bunch. I, I don't need you to have this, this surplus. I just need to know if you have a, a mustard seed amount of God. Because it's the mustard seed size of God that'll move a mountain. So he was asking this woman, I know what you're facing. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're going through. But baby, I need you to look down deep inside. And when you look down deep inside, if you can muster up just a little bit of Jesus. That's enough for me to work with. That's enough for me to work with. Now watch this. And this is fresh revelation. The, 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 the jars that he said was, he said, don't get a few because it's okay to have a little bit of Jesus. But when you got a whole bunch of Jesus, when, 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 you, got a, uh, when you got enough Jesus that you can testify that I shouldn't be where I am today. If you really knew who I was, if you were, could know the testimony, if you have that much of Jesus, then you'll set the world on fire. But he said, even if you don't have that much. If you have just a little bit, <laughs> I'll do something with it. And so that's why he said, go get, go, get these, go get these jars because he was going to take it. He was going to multiply. He was going to make it grow. And so he said, the boys went out and they got it and they brought the jars and the mom began to pour. There's somebody right now who has a broken child. And you've been frustrated. You've been frustrated. Because you know that they know better. And you've gotten to a point where you're saying, I'm pouring, I'm pouring my oil into them, but it seems like it's still leaking out. God is saying today, keep pouring. The husband was the priest of the household. If anything should have happened, the husband should have poured it. But the husband was gone. In my household, my wife will testify and tell you, anytime I'm away from my house for an extended period of time, I look at my son, Tanner, who's 14 years old, and I look him in his face and I say, you're up. It's time for you to do whatever needs to be done if I don't come back. If, if, if I never make it home, you're up. It's your time. I'm giving you everything that I have because there may be a day that daddy may not make it home. And I don't want this house to be without a covering. So therefore, I need you to be prepared in my absence. And this woman should have been able to let her older son pour because he was the next in line. But because the boys weren't mature enough to pour, the mother began to pour. And mothers, I'm telling you right now today, no matter how broken your child may be, you better keep pouring. 
you better keep pouring. Because what's going to happen is when you pour, it's going to begin to clot up those broken places. And when the broken places begin to clot up, overflow is going to spring forward. All right, I'm, I, I got to get ready to go. <laughs> the jars came. He poured into the jars. She poured into the jars. All the full jars set him to the side. Pay Wayne. He's going to keep calling if you don't. <laughs> Pay the man. Sit the full jars to the side and pay the creditor. I know that your son should go and work this off, but I love you so much, I'm going to intervene. Okay. I know you were guilty for what you did. I know you deserve every act of punishment that could possibly come your way, but I'm going to step in. I, I, I know that if we call the role the way we're supposed to, you're supposed to be guilty as charged. But, 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 but this morning when I woke up, I read Lamentation and said that you made new mercy. And why make new mercy if you're not going to extend it? Why? Why, why have a, 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 a sufficient amount of grace if you're not going to distribute it? Now, as Pastor Kevin said last week, and you guys that are, are, are new to uh, Ember or new to this ideology or theology, we're, we're just preaching the Bible. So don't get crazy and start sending post messages and all that kind of stuff. We're just preaching what Jesus gives us. We're not telling you because he has new mercy, because he has new grace, you go keep doing what you're doing. That's not what we're saying. Because the scripture says, because grace is here, should I continue to sin? No, because when you have the love of God, you don't want to take advantage of it. But it's important for us to let you know that if you mess up, his grace still loves you. His grace is still available. His mercy is still there. And if I don't tell you that, you'll never come back to his redeeming arms because you think that he's mad at you. So lastly, as I get ready to close, the debt's been paid, and now they told her, you live off the rest. Now imagine, if she would have went to one more house that had 300 more vessels, how much more would she have had to live off? If she would have just went and knocked on one more door. Caught that, didn't you? So, Pastor, why would you say that? The reason why I want you to think about that is because of this. God says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. God's plan for you is not that you would just sit in the misery that you're in. God's plan for you is not that you would be trying to figure out how to pay Peter and how to pay Paul. God's plan for you is not to how to figure, not to, to say, man, I, I guess we can't, we can't believe God for greater because things aren't lining up. God said, listen, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I need you to go and get me some more vessels because if you get more vessels, I'll pour out my presence on the rest of it. So I challenge you today, two challenges, two challenges. 
first challenge is this. If you're in a chaotic situation and you've been trying to figure out how to fix this thing, my first challenge is that you would stop. You would stop. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. So stop. And once you stop, you consult. And after you consult, you receive. And after you receive, you apply. Because I told you earlier, he'll speak if you just listen. He's not going to speak sometimes. There are times he'll speak to you when you come and just lay your face at the altar. But I've received my greatest words from God when I wasn't in a position of posture, but I was just simply going about my day-to-day activities, but yet my mind was still focused on them. Because God is saying this, I don't want to speak to you just when you're focused on me. I, I want to speak to you when you're doing everything else that you need to do too. Because in the midst of you doing everything else, it's going to show me that you're not preoccupied by everything else that you have going on, but yet you still focus on me and you still trust me. So the second challenge is this. Second challenge is this. Go get some more vessels. Go get some more vessels. Translate it for me, Pastor D. All right, cool. Thanks for that. What that means is this. He's laughing. He's like, this dude is crazy. He talks to himself. (laughs) Go get some more vessels means this. Expand your thought process or your belief structure to include everything that God can do. Because when you don't believe that God can heal your aunt from cancer, you left a vessel. When, when you don't believe that God can take you from being a renter to an owner, you left a vessel. When you don't believe that God can make you the head and not the tail, you left a vessel. When, when, when you don't believe that God can make you the lender and not the borrower, you left a vessel. When there's anything that you can come face to face with and you come to the conclusion that it won't work out, you're losing and leaving a vessel. Go get them. Go get them. Do your part. Your part is to stop and listen. Your part is to go get vessels. That's your part for this week. Next week you have another part. We'll do that part, and then we'll keep going. But we're going to do everything that we need to do to make sure that when we look up at the puzzle, our part isn't the part that's missing. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. So let's stand. Let's stand. I hear Amy singing those words, all sufficient, sacrifice, freely given. Such a price. All sufficient, sacrifice. 
Think about that phrase. All sufficient sacrifice. All sufficient sacrifice. All sufficient sacrifice. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you may have came in here, whatever weight you may have had, you've just had an encounter with the all-sufficient sacrifice that was freely given at such a price. Me and Chris heard this yesterday, and I'm getting ready to get into my prayer, but I need you to understand this before I pray. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, let this cup pass me. If there be another way, let this cup pass me. I don't want to go to the cross. But then in Hebrews, it, it talks about something that happened, and it said he freely went to the cross because a glimpse of something that he had saw. And what he saw was you and your wholeness. What he saw was you complete. What he saw was you taking advantage of the sacrifice that was about to be made. He saw that. So he freely went. Because he saw you living beyond your biggest mistake. He saw you taking the label off what other people had placed on you. He saw you doing those things. And he said, if me going to the cross will make that happen, then I'll freely go. I'll freely go. Father, we thank you for you loving us so much that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you would make us feel like it was just us and you in the room together while we're yet with so many. God, we thank you that you'll pour your heart out for us to receive. Father, we thank you for being who you are and being who you are to us. Father, we pray even now that as we move forward in this week to come, that we won't create more chaos, but we'll create more conversation. More conversation with you, God, that you might speak into our lives, speak into our hearts, that we might be able to receive from you and go and do what you've called us to do. And that we'll ultimately do our part. So, Father, I pray for everyone that's under the sound of my voice, everybody that's watching my way of live stream. Bless them even right now, God. You've come that they might have life and life more abundantly. And the word might is because it's up to us. So, God, do it for us today. Bless us in our time together, but also bless us in our absence, one from another. Whatever it is that we didn't address or whatever we didn't do, God, we know you're God enough to speak to it. And we know that you did. God, love on us. Hug on us. And smile down towards us. And we'll give your name the glory, honor, and praise. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask it all. And the redeemed of the Lord said amen. 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 And amen. Be blessed. Amen.